Hello, Croissant and welcome to the latest episode of the Welsh Referees Pod with me, Jack Ray. This time, it's all about fitness, and we'll be guided by the FAW's National Referee Fitness Coach, Ben Sutcliffe. Enjoy. Okay, Ben, uh, FAW Referee Fitness Coach, welcome to the podcast. You all right, mate? Yeah, I'm well. I'm well. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Good. So, um, obviously, in your, in your role as a FAW Referee Fitness Coach, you work with the elite referees. Uh, trying to keep them in good shape for their for their Cymru Premier matches and their European appointments so they, and where they travel all over the world. But I want to kind of get to know, first of all, a little bit about you, um, and then we'll go on and talk uh, about some quite practical things about uh, kind of your role in terms of training referees and what, what referees should be doing from, from grassroots to the elite. Um, so just to let people know about you a little bit. So you you actually, you're a referee yourself. My sins. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so when did you start? What got you into it? And um, are you still enjoying it? Yeah, so I did loads, um, loads of bits and pieces, athletics, football um, as a kid. And then I guess turned 14 and I was looking for a bit of extra pocket money. Um, couldn't really work evenings because I was training for different, different things and pieces. So I was like, what better than staying in football and becoming a referee? Um, so that was when I was 14. Um, started doing open age football as soon as I turned 16. Mm. And now referee, uh, assistant referee in the Northern Prem, um, and referee Northwest Counties by where I live. Um, so it's a fun game, Christmas, uh, Boxing Day, Macclesfield, yeah. in front of a few thousand people. So that was, yeah, decent games. Fair enough. Uh, so you're not a bad ref yourself then, it's fair to say. I'm not sure if you asked me to say that. And what about um, yourself? So you were you also refereed in Wales as well as in uh, Northwest England as well. So what was that like? Was it were there differences, and, and where were you refereeing in uh, in Cymru? Yeah. So when I came over, I went Swans Uni. Um, so that was sort of why I came to Wales, and then being down there, I still wanted to carry on refereeing. Um, so I started on the Swansea Senior League and. That was a fun experience down some of the parks. Um, a few few red cars dished out here and there. Um, but yeah, and then for my final year of studies, you have to do a, like a case study involving athletes. So I thought, well, what, what's better than doing something that I enjoy and that I had links with? So I got in touch with the referees manager at the time, Phil Thomas, and just said sort of, listen, I want to do this study. Um, it was around sort of match demands in, in Welsh referees um, and said sort of, what referees have you got available? I don't mind using local refs. And he said, nah, come in, we'll do elite top tier referees and, and get as best as we can. Uh, and from that, I did a year just helping out, doing some training, monitoring and, and doing that study. Um, completed that in the, in the July and then there's a, a job that became available. And that's sort of how I wangled my way into to becoming a fitness coach. <laughs> yeah, and how long how long ago was that then? Like, that was that would have been 2019. Right, okay. So start of 2019-20 season. Cool. And how did you find the uh, referee fitness? Have you improved over the last four years? <laughs> I, I'd like to hope so. Um, some of the stats and, and numbers, uh, we've decreased body fat and and had better results, pass rates. Uh, across the board really so 
must be doing something right if, <laughs> if that's the case. Absolutely. So obviously in terms of in terms of fitness for referees and um and kind of you know thinking about it from from kind of grassroots right the way up to uh to the elite, just want to kind of get your your opinion on you know maybe how important you think it is for referees to be fit to to actually progress in their careers um and, and to improve their games and then maybe we'll go on to talk a little bit about how people can prepare for certain fitness tests or or you know how 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 they can prepare just for the kind of rigors of a season in terms of how 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 actually helps people achieve their goals what would you say i think the thing i always think of is you know you go to a football match and, and you hear on the terraces you're not fit to referee and it's one of the bugbears of me because the every referee knows that they, they're working hard behind the scenes and, and no one really sees that they just see that the result on a saturday and more often than not it can be a mental decision rather than a, a physical one so the one i will always say is the the big key aim for me is that referees are in the right place at the right time to make the correct decision and my aim is to try and get them as close to that correct place as, as they possibly can be um whether that be to to be able to put a sprint in to get to the right angle um maybe moving more out wide or or just being able to cover the, the ground in general um i think for me being a referee as well um i know what sort of the expectations are of people who come and watch whether that be an observer or or spectators and i think fitness is the the one thing that you can control about a saturday mm-hmm. and for me it should definitely not be the thing that's letting you down um it should always uh, i know it's a bit of a cliche but control the controllables mm-hmm. you need to be able to, to keep that fitness level high um and in doing so hopefully be able to mitigate the rest of the decisions and i think that the big thing for me is we have to not only maintain the whole 90 minutes but maintain an image that we're not blowing you know some yeah. some players haunching over their knees and look really tired at 90 minutes whereas a referee still needs to make a decision into 93 94 minutes and still have everyone believe that they know that's the correct decision um so almost you're training for maybe 120 minutes and not just the 90 minutes that you're refereeing for. Um, and sort of off the back of that, I will always train the referees for the worst case scenario for their game. We shouldn't just be training for, oh, well, last week I only did 7K, so this week I'll only do 7K again, because it might vary massively. And I think that's probably bigger in the European lads than it is just the ones who referee in Wales, where you might referee two teams in Wales on a Saturday and the game be quite one team dominated even mm. and then go to a European game on a Thursday and all of a sudden it's high intense and it's a massive difference between the two and I guess we just have to be prepared for both of them. Yeah that makes sense so in terms of kind of our top referees and then the kind of the, the the amount of kind of kilometers they're clocking each week I was, like you said it varies but just to put it in a ballpark maybe for some people listening who wouldn't be aware like how, how what sort of range is that so typically a referee will sort of follow the same profile as a central midfielder um so the ones who are covering a bit more total distance potentially not as many sprints um because they tend to be in and around the, mid, the midfield play um, you're looking anywhere between seven and a half up to ten and a half, eleven kilometers, depending on what sort of game it is. Um, 
that then broken down into sort of high intensity, which we're looking at effectively anything over number 18 on a treadmill. Um, so it's a decent little pace um, between 18 kilometers and 25 kilometers an hour. Mm. You're looking roughly 500, 800 um, high intensity meters and then maybe 50 meters of sprint. Um, but if you look at the where that comes first half and second half, it tends to be later on in the game where you have to do them sprints. So it then becomes even more important about your fitness yeah. levels um, that you still have the capacity to be able to just sprint that late into the game. Yeah, so like you said, so it's when your your muscles are really aching that you actually have to do the hardest work. And as you said, referees can't look um, fatigued at all because the second they do, their credibility's impacted and uh, managing the game becomes harder. And you then you get the shouts, you're not fit to referee. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, that's that's really interesting. And, and then in terms of, you know, we talk a lot about referee fitness tests, I think, especially grassroots referees instantly and probably elite referees, when they hear the word fitness test, they start quaking in their boots a little bit. And uh, to be fair, it's understandable. But so w- what sort of kind of fitness testing do people go through um, in terms of refereeing? I know it can be really it's a, it's a really brutal process. So what sort of what sort of kind of what's the level that people need to get at for passing? like a Cymru Premier Fitness Test, for example. So the way we run it is always Tier 1 or the Cymru Prem. They have the hardest and most strict um, pass rate. And then sort of it it levels down after that. So we actually do two FIFA tests uh, a year, which gets sent off to FIFA and UEFA. One being an interval run, um, which is, again, pass or fail. You have to do 75 metres run and a 25 metre walk. So it used to be done around the track, um, but now it's progressing more to a, to a 3G. Um, but that's for the elite level on a lot stricter, which is 15 for the run and only 18 for the walk. And then it sort of levels down beyond that. Um, so 17 and 20 um, and then grassroots again, 17 and 24, um, depending on how far down we go. So that's to get into our Talent and the Mentor group. And they have to pass us 17 and 24. Yeah. And then we also do a, a new test which has just been brought in called a, an SDS test. Now, I'm not going to bore you with the way it works. <laughs> um, but it's effectively like a, a box-to-box. And then you do a box-to-box with a turn and back. And then just a, another box-to-box. And you do that um, 15 times. So that's the one we're doing in two weeks. Um, so they both get the results sent off. Both of them are done with sprints. Um, so there's a sprint uh, test to be done as well. So one will do with six sprints to sort of test how quickly the referee can recover and then go again on another sprint. Um, and also then the one in the winter tends to be only two sprints, but we're looking for more of a, a maximal effort uh, to get that max speed. Um, and then we also have like little testing dispersed in the season. Uh, so one thing we started doing this year is testing on our training days. Um, so us- we usually just turn up. Um, it tends to be the day after a game, so we can't really do too much because we're still on a recovery day. Um, so we'll tend to test stuff like body fat or we have a injury prevention screening we do, which is effectively a load of stretching. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just measuring your capacity to be able to, to stretch each muscle. Um, and you get a rating out of 100 and it's luckily to be as low as possible. 
And then we also have um, aerobic tests and, and sprint testing, as we said, bit of change direction testing. And one thing I want to bring in um, pretty much as soon as possible is strength testing as well. Um, we look to individualise as much of the pitch-based stuff as we can, um, based on a referee's fitness levels. But it's not really been there where we can do that on the gym side. Um, and again, that's something we're really keen on in terms of building a, a robust athlete that can withstand 50, 60 games a season as it is now. Yeah, it is incredible to be fair. When you think about the number of games that the referees go through, like you mentioned, you're doing the the work rate of a central midfielder. Obviously, um, hopefully not as many tackles going in on the body of the referee, um, which is probably one advantage they've got. But in terms of the actual number of games they get through, is is you know it's really high. Um, it's extremely demanding. So when 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 people are training where they've got a game, you know, maybe every three days or they, they're training, sorry, they've got games, you know, each weekend. How much work can they actually do in terms of their body? Or is it is it more about recovery and like easy, easy training in between? So, yeah, I think when it, when we're on a, a congested fixture week, as I'd probably, probably say, you're looking at one or two recovery days and then straight away you're in match day minus one. So there's only limited amount of work you want to do. And at the end of the day, the main the main thing we want to perform for is the game. So we're not too bothered about how much work's done in the week or how much training's done. It's more that we are ready to go again on that midweek game. Um, so again, we'll just do light, more intense speed work with a short session rather than a massive dead long run or, or whatever that may be. But I think, again, the one thing we have to take into consideration in, in Wales is that we don't have the luxury of being professional. Um, a lot of these referees are still working all day and then have to go and train. So a lot of my work has been managing that and balancing that around the work life and how can we best get that referee to train? Because we still need to train. You can't just have an excuse of, oh, but the kids are crying and, and they can't leave the house. You know, unfortunately, it's a hard graft um, and, and it is a lot of commitment. But hopefully the reward comes on a Saturday. Um, so again, it's just balancing that usual structure. Um, going into just a one game week, because it's probably the easiest to describe, we'd look for a Sunday and a Monday to be recovery days. One of them can be off. Um, now off feet means not just lying around on the, co- on the couch um, doing nothing. It is just stretching, but no real running. Um, and the other day would be just a, an active recovery day, which would be a swim, a cycle, uh, a walk, something that just gets the blood flowing again. Um, hopefully remove the lactic acid, um, remove that fatigue from, from the muscles and get the referee prepared just to go again for the next game week. Then in the middle of the week, we're looking at probably the heavy days. So one will be a, a distance day, one will be a intensity day. Um, so that could be as simple as 30 minutes on a bike or 30 minute run. And then the other day will be, we're looking for 15 minutes above 85% of heart rate. So again, that's where the individualization comes. The referees themselves know roughly where and what speed they need to be going to hit that. But we also tell them based on their test results uh, and so on. And then as we move later in the week, again, it's bring down the, the volume. So it's a lot shorter sessions, but with a lot more quality and intensity. So that's where we're looking to do our speed or sprint work um, over a lot shorter distances, but 
a lot more quality. And then that's it. You're back to a Saturday and, and we go again. And you're on the out on the pitch again. Yeah. So um, obviously that's kind of the elite side of things. And I, I know that, you know, obviously not everyone uh, can be part of the elite, at least not not all at the same time. Um, yeah. And there'll be grassroots referees who uh, who are looking to kind of, know find out how they can train like the elite maybe maybe those insights give a little bit of an idea of maybe what they could be doing um you know throughout the week to try and make sure they're prepared um are there any other sort of tips or tricks you give to give to referees maybe who are just starting or who are you know refereeing at a grassroots level you know also referees who are maybe without assistance as well um i don't know if that means they maybe have to cover even more ground um arguably although the game pace of the game should be slower what, what would you say? Yeah, I think it's it's a it goes probably back to what I said about being fit for refereeing, and that's just the fact that at the end of the day, that's what you can control. And even when you're starting out, it's the best time to get into good habits. I think if you can get into the habit of training in that sort of intensity and, and volume early on, it just carries you all the way through. Um, I think in terms of where and when you can train, again, part-time referee, you're not going to have significant money coming in from it. So it's just where and when you can. What I will say is we always ask for a high-intensity session each week. And we'll always ask for a sprint session each week. What happens around in and around that um, is, again, down to the individual referee. Um, and again, yeah. I guess it, another one is probably nutrition. Um, just being able yeah. to to keep on top of of what you eat and when you're eating. And again, it's a lot of it is about body image. Unfortunately, a lot of perceived decisions come from what you look like. Um, it might be a little bit harsh because I know brilliant referees that don't have that nice slim image, but are still quality referees. Um, but again, it all just builds into your credibility and and being able to sell a decision when when it comes down to it. Yeah, and one one other aspect I wanted to talk to you about was you know probably the bane of every athlete's life is uh, is injuries and uh, injury prevention. You obviously mentioned uh, mentioned stretching and so on. Like I I know I know myself like I'm like the most uh, injury prone person ever, or maybe I have a low pain threshold, but um, like. It, it, it is it is one of those challenges you know people can find themselves suddenly being being out of the game um you know for for several months and it really impacts on on their progress their well-being so do you have do you have any sort of tips on on how to how to avoid that and um what sort of things you should be doing do you even rec- do you recommend like do you even recommend footwear to the refs depending on the on the game on the type of surface they're on things like that any sort think, of tips can give I think bringing up the surface is quite prevalent, especially in Welsh um, football, because a lot of it's on 3G, especially at the top level, which again brings in another dimension of, of what you need to be doing. And I think whatever surface you're refereeing on, we look to train on that as much as possible um, so that you're not going from a soggy field, which is a completely different surface, to a hard astro. And that you're used to what, what you're working on. Um, but again, I think stretching and sort of robustness um, is the main thing for me. So ensuring that you've got that flexibility and and mobility just throughout, throughout especially lower limbs, because obviously that's that's more left limb. 
Um, but then also having a, a good strength. So that sort of stems in from where I'm looking for strength testing coming forwards because we want robust athletes. We don't want athletes that can easily break down. And at the end of the day, that having a strong base strength enables all be faster, run further, and just in general be able to change direction quicker because you've got that base um, strength and power that you can get out from the muscles. It's good to know. Yeah, and I, I did just want to ask you about something as well because I don't know if it if it's something that you've um, you've come across. You might you might not have been involved with it too much, but I, you used to work at uh, LFC Women. Is that right? Yeah. Did some yeah. things at LFC Women, and it's quite a big topic of conversation. The number of um, ACL injuries that top women's footballers are having, and um, just you know, just the same. You actually see it with um, you know some referees. I know some you know one or two in. Um, one or two women referees in Wales have, have had the injury as well. So I just wondered if you had any kind of thoughts on that or, or on, you know, is it, is it true that maybe women are potentially more vulnerable to the ACL injury than men and, and so on? I think, so I'll put my sports science hat on now. Yeah. Um, the the papers and, and tests that have been done show that it is um, true that women have a, bit, a higher injury incidence rate. Now, the other side of that is sometimes we don't know what causes it. Mm. Uh, correlation often isn't causation. Um, so whilst there is a, a big correlation in more injuries, it's not there's not that too many studies that have been done on women's football. Mm. Um, now, looking at that, I think one uh, we've had so working at Shrewsbury Town at the moment, we had two lads that have ACL injuries and it's just a freak off the ball no no contact just go to change direction and the ACL goes and sometimes you just can't you can be as fit and, and as strong as you want you just can't stop it um now one thing particularly with women that started coming out more recently is the potential impact of the menstrual cycle um so there's there's sort of some assumptions and theories that different phases of the menstrual cycle have different uh, bring about different levels of fatigue and, and coordinational losses, and it's potentially that those fatigue levels or those coordination levels either one break down technique or two just result in a loss of power that now you can't produce that turn anymore or you can't produce that movement anymore, and that's ultimately what leads to the to the ACL injury. So, although not proven, again, looking at, at that and the, the theories behind that, I guess it's two factors, one poor technique or two, just a lack of capacity to be able to do the movement. And both of them probably come through training and right. just keep on top of the training. And we, I do put an agility or change direction drill in um, for the referees, even if that's just a new warm up. Um, and just building up the capacity in the warm-up um, to have those levels of balance and, and technique and, and sort of going from there, probably. Okay, fair enough. And then just, um, I, think we've, I think we've covered a lot of ground in this, to be fair, but I, I just wanted to, um, as well, talk about some of the, the resources that are available to the referees. Obviously, I think this podcast itself is a great starting point for any, any referee who wants to get fit for refereeing. 
you know, it's it, it it is its own it's its own sport within a sport almost. And um, obviously, you're an expert on on how to prepare. Um, but in terms of resources that are available as well, there's the Referee Wales website, which has um, some fitness plans on there that you prepared, and also some nutrition nutrition advice as well, just available as downloads. So um, anyone who who's listening who wants to get some advice, that's a great place to start. Um, and Obviously, if you're a referee, you'll probably have my email address, and um, I can get I can get things for you, and and I don't know send you various tests if you want to run them yourselves. Just be careful. <laughs> um, yeah, yourself. hopefully, hopefully more and more stuff should be going on there anyway. In the yeah, next definitely. Week. Great yeah. stuff. I I know with new nutrition, you have your sort of point system, your recovery point system, and things like that. So uh, maybe people can look out for that in the future. Hundred percent. And uh, for those who just want a little sneak preview, alcohol is minus a lot of points, so <laughs> it's one of the best ways to recover. Gosh. All right, okay, I'm going to have to change my post-match uh, routine. Um, <laughs> yeah, so just before you go, um, on every every podcast, we uh, tend to have a few quick-fire questions. I've just got five quick questions, so people can get to know you a little bit more before before we sign off. So uh, first of all, uh, you probably had to do a few of these for your initiations at various clubs you've been at. But um, what's your go-to karaoke song? My initiation song was Three Little Birds. (laughs) With a little Jamaican accent as well. (laughs) Okay, and uh, what's your opinion on um, half and half scarves? Get them in the bin. Never. Straightforward. Um, All right, finally... um, just some football ones. So, who's your all-time favourite footballer? It's a bit of a one out, diff- weird one out there. Uh, Matteo Valbuena from France. Oh, really? It's a, it's a strange one out out the blue, but yeah. Um, I seen him. I can't remember. I think it was a France Georgia game or something like that, and it just sticks out. He did this eighty-yard half volley switcher play to Frank Ribéry, and I was like, wow. And ever from then, I was like, yeah, he's just my random player. <laughs> Fair enough. That's a great answer. What about your all-time favourite football manager then? Ooh. Probably Jurgen Klopp at the moment. Um, okay. I guess I just like his passion. Although I hope no one from Shrewsbury Town's watching this, because uh, otherwise it's Steve Cottrell. <laughs> All right, and finally... Um, who is your all-time favourite referee? Ooh. Mike Dean. Mike Dean, yeah. What a shout. The boy. Mike Dean. Yeah, I met him a couple of times and yeah, he's just has got a big character in person as well as, as on the pitch. So yeah, boy Mike Dean. It's a man who definitely uh, knew how to sell a decision or two. Uh, still at it on the VAR as well. So, um, all right. Well, thanks very much, Ben. It's been a really enjoyable podcast. I've learned a lot. Really good to find out that referees are just as fit as central midfielders. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll catch up soon. Um, hope everyone enjoyed and thank you again. Oh, thank you.